G'day, my name is Jeff. It's my privilege to continue to look with you at 1 John today, chapter 5, verse 4b to 12. Can I encourage you to have a Bible open in front of you because we're going to read through this quite um, tricky little passage, try to think hard about what it means and how it applies to us. Uh, we'll also help you to have the outline, which is in the service program. Let's pray. We'll ask God for his help. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for Jesus. Thank you for who he is and for what he's done for us. Please help us as we look at your word now to understand all the more clearly who Jesus is and what he has done for us, that we may respond rightly to him. Please help us in this, we pray, by the power of your spirit, in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, a friend of mine was uh, once telling me what it was like to become a mum. And she said, I can't believe how naive I was about it. She said, I'm a competent person. I was a successful student. I've been successful in my career. And so I expected that I'd be able to handle motherhood. No problem. I had no idea. No idea how hard it is and no idea how magnificent it is. She said, how can such a little thing totally transform your life. Everything you think, everything you feel, everything you live for. She said, I, I thought I knew what I was getting myself into. I had no idea of the joy. I had no idea of the work. I had no idea of the pain. I didn't understand at all. Have you ever had an experience like that? You think you understand what you're getting yourself into, you think you know what's going on, but you end up realising you had no idea. I wonder. I wonder if that's what it's like for many people when it comes to Jesus. A few years ago, the McCrindle Research Group did a study on what Australians believe about Jesus, and they came up with some surprising results. Now, you can see what they came up with on this table. They surveyed more than a 1,000 Australians, and they found that four out of five Australians believe that Jesus was a real historical person. 83%, can you see that? They also found that more than one in three Australians believe that Jesus was the Son of God. That, that, that is pretty surprising, don't you reckon? That's a pretty high figure. Eight out of ten believe that Jesus was a real historical figure. And one in three believe that Jesus is the Son of God. No doubt this is because many people went to um, church schools or something like that. There's some, some Catholicism in their background or some Anglicanism or some Presbyterianism. You know, maybe they had a, a grandma who was a Presbyterian or something like that. And, and so they have, they have a, a vague sense of, of who Jesus is, a, a vague faith in Jesus as son of God. But I wonder, this one in three Australians, I wonder... Do you think they understand what it means? Do you think they know what it means that Jesus is Son of God? Do you think they know what it means 
for them, the, the, the implications for their life? Or do you think they maybe have uh, a naive belief in Jesus? They don't, they don't truly understand at all. In his letter, the Apostle John has been saying that true Christians love God. They love God and they show their love for God by obeying God's commands. And in particular, as we saw last week, Christians show their love for God by obeying his command to love his children, to, to love each other. And, and John says, last week we saw it, he says, this is no great burden for a believer because, he says, those who have been born of God, those who are children of God, they overcome the world. Overcome the world. In other words, God's children, they're able to overcome all the obstacles that this world presents and they're able to keep on trusting and serving Jesus, keep on living the way God wants. God's children will overcome the obstacles, they'll hold on to the end and they'll make it to the heaven. Make it to heaven. They, they overcome the world. Now, in our passage today, John goes on to talk about who it is that overcomes the world in this way. And he says, he says, it's people who believe that Jesus is the Son of God. 1 John chapter 5 and halfway through verse 4. Have a look with me. 1 John chapter 5 and halfway through verse 4. This is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world? Only the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. It's those who believe that Jesus is the Son of God who can overcome every obstacle, love and obey God to the end, and make it to heaven. But the thing is this. The thing is this. What does it mean? What does John mean when he says you need to believe Jesus is the Son of God? You know, one in three Australians reckon they believe Jesus is the Son of God. Is, is that what John is talking about here? Uh, are they, one in three Australians, are they overcoming the world? Are they on their way to heaven? What does it mean to believe that Jesus is the Son of God? A Son of God in the Bible can actually mean a few different things. Uh, first, uh, son of God can just mean human. So, for example, in Luke's Gospel, Adam is described as a son of God. Humans are made in God's image, by God, in his image, and in that sense, we're all sons of God. But is that what John means here? If you believe that Jesus was a real human, like 83% of Australians, if you believe that Jesus was a real human then you overcome the world and will have a place in heaven? Is that, is that what John means? A son of God in the Bible, secondly, it can also mean, it can also refer to Israel. So, for example, in Hosea chapter 11, verse 1, God says this. He says, When Israel was a child, I loved him, and out of Egypt I called my son. Who's God's son? Israel. In the Old Testament, Israel are sons of God. So, is that what John means? If you believe that Jesus was an Israelite, a, a, a Jewish man, then you overcome the world. Well, a third way that the, word son of, that the expression son of God is used in the Bible is this. It can also refer to the king of Israel. 
So, for example, in Psalm 2, King David writes this. He says, God said to me, you are my son, the, the king. And then through the Old Testament, son of God, it comes to mean a very special king, a king called the Christ, the, 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 the promised king who's going to rule over God's people forever. 2 Samuel chapter 7, 2 Samuel chapter 7, God says, talking about um, the son of David, he says, I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. I will be his father and he will be my son. So here's this forever king, this eternal king who will be God's son. So is that what John means? If you believe that Jesus is the king, do, do you overcome the world? Son of God, can you see, it can refer to a number of different things. And so in this next section of his letter, what John is doing, he, he's clarifying what he means by Jesus being son of God. What he means when he says you have to believe that Jesus is the son of God. The thing is, I say clarifies, but actually for us at least, I think, I think what John says is actually a bit tricky. John says three things to further define what it means that Jesus is the son of God. He says, first, uh, Jesus is uh, the Son of God who came by water, uh, literally through or in water. Second, he says, Jesus is the Son of God who came by blood, uh, through or in blood. Jesus is the Son of God who came through water and through blood. And then third, John says, Jesus is the Christ. The Christ who came through water and blood. That's what it means that Jesus is the Son of God. That's what it means to believe Jesus is the Son of God. He is the Christ who came through water and blood. There in verse 6, this is the one who came by, literally through, water and blood. Jesus Christ. He did not come by, literally in, water only, but in water and blood. All right. Now, it's not immediately obvious what John means here, is it? Not, not to us, anyway. So if we're going to work this out, I think it's important that we do. If we're going to work this out, we're going to need to do a bit of detective work here. Let's see if we can, let's see if we can nut this out together. I think, most of us, I think most of us know what Christ means, don't we? Remember, it's not Jesus' surname. He's not Jesus Frederick Christ or something like that. No, it refers to God's promises in the Old Testament to raise up an eternal, anointed ruler for God's kingdom. We just read it a second ago. God promised to give an eternal kingship to a descendant of King David. He said, this man would be his son. I'll establish the throne of his kingdom forever. I'll be his father. He'll be my son. John is saying, Jesus is that son of God. Jesus has been anointed, set apart by God as the eternal king. The king in God's eternal kingdom. The Christ part, I think, is reasonably clear for us. But what about the rest of what John says here? What's this, what's this water? The Son of God who came, he did not come. He came through water. And what's the blood? Jesus Christ came through blood. And then what does John mean when he says he did not come in water only, but in water and blood? What's that argument about? Let's think about it together. First, water. What does it mean that Jesus came through or in water? 
Now, most commentators seem to think this refers to the time Jesus was baptised, when he was baptised in the water of the Jordan River by John the Baptist. And that makes good sense. Do you remember what happened when Jesus was baptised? The Holy Spirit came down on him like a dove and God said, do you remember? He said, this is my son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. At his baptism, God declared that Jesus was his son at the, at, at the beginning of his ministry. But it still doesn't quite answer the question. I mean, what does it mean? Well, what did God mean when he said that Jesus, at his baptism, when he said that Jesus is his son? Let, let me give you some background. John the Baptist, he, he was calling Israel to a very special and unique baptism. They had to come outside the promised land. John makes that very clear in chapter 1. He says that uh, Jesus was baptising on the other side of the Jordan. They had to come outside the promised land. Uh, John the Baptist would then baptise them through or in the Jordan River and then they would go back into the promised land. Uh, what it was, as I say, it's quite unique. It's not Christian baptism. It's quite a unique baptism. It, it's, it's, it's meant to be a reenactment of when Israel originally came into the Promised Land under Joshua. Remember, they came through the Jordan River into the Promised Land. So this baptism, what it was, it was a way of saying to God, God, I'm really sorry for the way that I and Israel have failed to live as we should as your people in the Promised Land. I repent. I'm sorry. I, I want to be a true and faithful Israelite living in your promised land. I want to faithfully wait for the Messiah, the Christ, to come. So God, let, let's start over again. Let, let's hit the reset button. Let's go, let's go back through the Jordan into the land. Let's get it right this time. John's baptism, it was a declaration. It was declaring to God, I want to be a faithful Jew. Jesus came to be baptised. Do you remember what John said, John the Baptist said? He said, you don't need to be baptised. You should be baptising me. But Jesus said, do it anyway. Let's fulfil all righteousness. And then what happens? God says, this is my son. And then what happens next? Do you remember? Jesus is led out into the wilderness for 40 days, just like Israel were in the wilderness for 40 years. Jesus is tempted by the devil. But where Israel failed, where Israel kept on sinning against God, Jesus kept on succeeding, keeps on referring to God's word, keeps on resisting the temptation of the devil. Jesus proves to be the truly faithful son of God. Jesus proves to be the one Israelite who did love and obey God as he should. He proves to be my son whom I love, with whom I am well pleased. So what kind of a son of God is Jesus? He's the son of God who came through water, the son of God with whom God is well pleased. That is, he is the true and faithful Israelite, the true and faithful Jew, God's true and faithful person. But John says, Jesus didn't just come through water. Jesus also came through blood. 
What does that mean? Well, most commentators say that blood here refers to the cross, when Jesus died on the cross. And the fact that Jesus came through the cross, it's referring to both his death on the cross and also his resurrection from the dead. So, what does John mean when he says that Jesus is the Son of God who came through blood? Well, he's the Son of God who died as a sacrifice for our sin. As John wrote in his Gospel, do you remember? God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son to die for us. Or, or in his resurrection, to quote from the book of Romans, it says there that Jesus was the descendant of David who was appointed the son of God by his resurrection from the dead. Jesus Christ, our Lord. Point of son of God by his resurrection. What does it mean that Jesus is the son of God who came through blood? He died as the sacrifice for our sin. He rose again from the dead. So God has now declared him to be the king of God's kingdom. And God has declared that he and he alone gives eternal life. Okay, water. Jesus is the faithful Jew, the son of God who was a faithful Jew. Blood. Jesus died to, and rose again to give eternal life to his people. What then is this argument that, that John goes, go, goes on about here? He did not come in water only, but in water and blood. What, what, why does John need to say that? Who, who might be saying that he came in water only? Now, here I think we need to remember the situation that John's readers are in. Do you remember? They're Jews who've become Christians, but they're doing it tough. The Jewish community, they want them to give up on Jesus. And there are a group of people who've come into the church and, and, and convinced some of them to stop being Christians. This is a group of people who used to be Christians, but now they're saying Jesus isn't the Christ. And we've seen in John's letter, they're trying to lead the Christians astray. They're hating them. They're hassling them to go back to being Jews who don't trust Jesus. So to try to understand this, argument about him coming in water only, let, let, let's imagine a conversation. One of the Christians is talking to one of those ex-Christians. He says, he says, friend, you've, you've got to believe that Jesus is the Son of God. That's the only way to overcome the world. It's the only way to have a place in heaven. To which the ex-Christian replies something like this. Of course I believe Jesus is the son of God. He, he, he was a true and faithful Jew. He showed it. He was baptised by John the Baptist. He came in water. Jesus was a Jew. And as a good Jew, I'm sure he wouldn't want you believing any of this nonsense that you're going on about. Any of this nonsense about him being God or, or a human sacrifice or anything like that. Jesus was a true Jew. He came through water. And friend, that's what Jesus would want for you too. He'd want you to be a true and faithful Jew. So what you need to do is give up on this Christian nonsense. Come back to Judaism. The Apostle John says, no, not in water only. 
Jesus isn't just the Son of God who came through water. He's not just a faithful Jew. Jesus also came through blood. He's not just a faithful Jew. He's the faithful Jew who died and rose again. Not only that, he is the Christ, the King who alone offers eternal life. You know, it's interesting, back in John's Gospel, at the time of Jesus' baptism, John the Baptist actually put these two things together as well. He said, well, he said, Jesus is the Son of God. John chapter 1, verse 34, Jesus said, uh, sorry, John's, John the Baptist said, John chapter 1, verse 34, John the Baptist said, I have seen and I testify that this is the Son of God, talking about Jesus. But he didn't just mean Jesus as another Jew. He didn't even just mean Jesus is a very good Jew. He said Jesus is way more than that. He said Jesus is the Lamb of God who will take away sin. Still in John 1, John 1, 29. John the Baptist, uh, John 1, 29. John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. John the Baptist put it together. Jesus is the Son of God, the Christ who came in water, but also the lamb who came in blood. All right. I'm sorry if that's been hard work, if that's taken a fair bit of detective work. Um, but, but can you see what John means now? What does it mean that Jesus is the Son of God? He's the Christ, the King, who came through water and through blood. At Jesus' baptism, John the Baptist, he also talked about how Jesus gives God's Holy Spirit. It was John 1.33, John said that Jesus is the one who will baptise with the Holy Spirit. And now, in his letter, the Apostle John, he makes the same connection. Just as John the Baptist predicted, Jesus has poured out God's Holy Spirit onto the Apostles, like John himself, so that they're telling the truth about Jesus, but also onto the true believers. They've got the anointing that John has talked about. Um, and and so, so, so John's readers, he says, anointed by God's Spirit, they, they recognise the truth about Jesus. John says now, he says, all of this works together. It all works together. God's Spirit testifies. The water of Jesus' baptism testifies. The blood of his death and resurrection testify. They all agree. They all agree Jesus is the Son of God. He is the Christ who alone offers people eternal life. This is the testimony of God. This is the testimony of God. Spirit, water, blood, they all testify. This is God's testimony and we need to believe it. Still in verse 6. And it is the Spirit who testifies because the Spirit is the truth. For there are three that testify, the Spirit, the water and the blood and the three are in agreement. We accept human testimony, but God's testimony is greater because it is the testimony of God which he has given about his Son. Whoever believes in the Son of God has this testimony. Whoever believes in the Son of God accepts this testimony. Whoever does not believe God has made him out to be a liar because they have not believed the testimony God has given about his Son. And this is the testimony. God has given us eternal life and this life is in his Son. God has testified. Jesus is the Son of God who alone gives eternal life. And so here's how it is. Here's how it is. 
If you rely on Jesus, you have eternal life. But if you don't, you don't. Verse 12. Whoever has the Son has life. Whoever does not have the Son of God does not have life. Okay. Can you see what's here in this passage? And can you see what it meant for John's original readers as they struggled to stand firm against those ex-Christians trying to take them back to Judaism? God is telling them what it means that Jesus is the Son of God. He's telling them what it means to believe that Jesus is the Son of God so that you overcome the world and have a place in heaven. It's not enough to say that Jesus was a man. It's not enough to say that Jesus was a Jewish man. It's not even enough to say that Jesus is king. Jesus is the Son of God who is all of these things, but so much more. Jesus is the Son of God who is the eternal King in God's kingdom and who died and rose again and who pours out God's Holy Spirit and who alone can give eternal life. That's what John means when he says Jesus is the Son of God. And friends, that's what we need to believe if we're going to overcome this world and have a place in heaven, have eternal life. That's what this passage means for us. Early last Sunday morning, I was was walking in from my place to church. um, And I walked past the new basketball court at Beecham Park. And it was, it, was, it was lovely and it was quiet and it was peaceful and I was kind of just preparing myself for, for church. Uh, as I walked along in this lovely peace and quiet, uh, someone, one of the players on the court, as I was walking past, yelled out, Jesus Christ! Firstly, I kind of had this wry thought, well, there's the first prayer I've heard for the day. But, but then as I reflected on it, I, I started to feel really upset. Here was this young man calling on the Son of God who died and rose again for him, calling on the only one who can give him eternal life. He knows the name. He knows the title. He knows there's something going on with Jesus. There's some, there's some power in that name. Otherwise, why is he calling on the name? He knows there's something. But I don't think he gets what John is saying here. Do you, I don't think he's got any idea who Jesus really is, do you? I don't think he was calling on Jesus for eternal life. What a tragedy. What a tragedy to to know the name. Friends, four out of five Australians believe that Jesus was a real man. One in three Australians say they believe that Jesus was the Son of God. But I suspect the vast majority of them don't understand either. Don't you reckon? I can't read anyone's mind. Not up to me to judge anyone. But I don't think they really get who Jesus is. I don't think they get the, the, the glory of this. That, that's why they think Jesus makes no difference to their lives. It's why they think they can just vaguely acknowledge Jesus or use his name as a swear word, but, but not, not, not do anything, not, not bow the knee to him, not submit their lives to him, not, not rely on him. Like... Like my friend I was talking about at the beginning with motherhood, they're they're naive about who Jesus is and what he's done. Believing Jesus is just so way more magnificent than they can imagine and and, and way harder than they imagine. 
They don't get what they mean when they say Jesus is the Son of God. And sad to say, I'm far from convinced that they have eternal life through Jesus. So friends, here's the application for you and for me. Here's the application. I need to ask you this. Do you believe that Jesus is the Son of God? Do you believe that Jesus is the Christ who came through water and blood? Is that what you believe? And, and does that mean you're now trusting Jesus? Have, have you asked God to, to forgive you your sin and give you eternal life through the Jesus who lived that perfect life you should have lived and who died the death that you deserve and who rose again from the dead as God's king forever? Have you asked God to forgive you your sin and give you eternal life through this Jesus? And are you now striving to, to love and obey the Jesus who is your king and who lived and died for you? If not, friend, you need to reconsider. Jesus is so much more than you think. And there is a lot at stake here. Where you will spend the rest of eternity depends on how you respond to this Jesus. You, you want to get this right. You want to know what it means that he's the son of God. But friend, if you do believe these things, if you are relying on the Christ who came through water and blood, well, friend, good news. Good news for you. You have overcome the world and eternal life is yours. Let's pray. Our gracious God and loving Heavenly Father, we thank you so much that Jesus is the Christ, the eternal promised King. We thank you that he came through water, true and faithful Jew who always obeyed you. We thank you that he came through blood, that he died on the cross and rose again from the dead. And we thank you that your testimony now is that eternal life is in your Son. Father, help us to believe that Jesus is the Son of God and so to overcome the world. Grant that we may have eternal life through him. Please forgive us our sin. Strengthen us to serve Jesus all our days. We pray in Jesus' name.